All right, loaded up. Glad you are with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800 941 Sean, you want to be a part of the program? We've got 2020 insane radical well, fringe extremist Democrats news uh, that we'll get to today. Uh, we've got a lot of weird stuff happening as a result of liberal policies. You know, San Francisco declared that the NRA was a domestic terrorist organization. OK, uh, the sanctuary city of San Francisco. OK, great. Well, now the NRA is suing them and I don't blame them. By the way, there's an article in the New York Post today. You want to want to know why people are leaving New York in droves? It's only a matter of time between before homeless, before a homeless leprosy outbreak. I mean, that's how dire conditions are in New York, just like L.A., just like Chicago, just like San Francisco. Imagine that all the money with the people, no states paying taxes and you can't even create facilities for the homeless to go to the bathroom. Never mind. Maybe get a hot meal, maybe get something. Pretty interesting. So we'll get to all that in the course of the program today. Um, we have Donald Trump on the agenda. You know, one of the things that we should be so happy about in this country, those Americans, I say the forgotten men and women, we have the, the John McNaughton painting called the forgotten man. It's hanging up. Linda, maybe you can take a picture of it. We'll put it up on the website. OK, boss. OK, boss. Thank you. But Democrats, because 2016 was about the forgotten men and women. Now, if you look at what the Democrats are offering, everything's free, 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 free. Well, I guess there's a certain psychological appeal to the idea that you don't have to take care of yourself anymore. Oh, thank goodness. Pre-K is taken care of. College is taken care of. Every grade in between is taken care of. Never mind the the institutional failure that is the Democratic Party and their unholy alliance with teachers unions. Yeah, we pay more than any other industrialized nation in the country, but we're like 37th reading and writing. Look at Baltimore. How do you have 13 high schools without a single kid proficient in math and all these other high schools, not a single kid proficient in math and reading. I mean, it's unbelievable. And what have I always pointed out? I know that the identity politics game and the race card is played as we've chronicled so many times on this program by the Democrats every election season, but what parties policies benefit the forgotten men and women in this country? We pointed out yesterday you know, nearly six and a half million Americans off of food stamps since Donald Trump's been elected. 13 million Americans were added to the full uh, food stamp ranks. You know, Washington Post actually pointed out more than 80 percent of the new jobs created under Donald Trump have gone to, if you can believe it, Minorities. Oh, I thought Republicans hated minorities. I thought Republicans are racist and they're sexist and they're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air water and they want to kill children and throw granny over the cliff after she has to spend a couple of years eating dog food or cat food. And it's not a joke. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's such a cliched. This is what they do. This is who they are. This is what they do. And they keep saying racist, racist, racist. Which one are you looking at? I don't know. I'm sorry, boss. Netanyahu was just rushed off the stage in Israel. There's a security threat. Okay. So here is what it says. Uh, I got it in front of me. Security rushes Netanyahu off the stage. Rockets fired from Gaza into southern Israel. Uh, I don't like that at all. Um, but we'll, we'll monitor. 
That's all we know is that he was taken off the stage and our prayers are with the prime minister. How often has I, have I said a Churchillian figure, pretty much the sole voice of moral clarity until Donald Trump joined uh, him as well. But anyway, you know, look at the guy. So if that's 4.5 million jobs created for minorities in America and the opposite happened under Biden, Obama, and yet the race card is always played. Washington Post today pointed out that the overwhelming majority of the 5.2 million new jobs. Uh, yeah, that is 86 percent. Were jobs created, I always say the forgotten men and women. OK, identity politics. That's the Democrats. Yeah. For minorities. That's why we have record low. Another record set set last week for African-Americans tying a record low unemployment for Hispanic Americans. We have record record setting job creation for women in the workplace. We have youth unemployment record numbers of growth there, too. But I'm sure that, you know, there was an interesting thing last night. Somebody pointed out to me in the Washington Examiner about this very topic. Don Lemon, who works over at CNN, you know, I would think maybe in spite of his disagreements with Trump's style and his desire for impeachment, 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 and CNN's fake news hatred of all things Donald Trump, you'd think people would be happy. Apparently not. He's he's worried. Seems to be in full panic mode uh, about the unemployment numbers that came out. And literally, you know, from the Washington Examiner, I will read this week's liberal media scream features CNN host Don Lemon urging black voters not to believe President Trump's success in reducing black unemployment to historic lows. So you basically said, what, don't believe the truth? Don't look at the truth? Don't accept the truth? You want that this is scary to you that this is successful? Instead, in one of his segments, he said that black Americans should focus on the president's racist behavior. This came after the Labor Department highlighted that black unemployment, another record low last week under Donald Trump. He literally said black unemployment hits a record low. How do black voters weigh the numbers against the president's racist comments? And he goes on. We want to talk about the new uh, news and your opinions from the Labor Department, et cetera, et cetera. Then he keyed up an analyst here and, you know, said the black unemployment rate is falling to a record low. Good news is only part of the story. And you extrapolate out some of the points his guest makes on his show. And Lemon laid out the case to not credit Trump. Why? I mean, th these are numbers. These are facts. This is incontrovertible. I mean, is that how far the, the fake news media in this country wants to take this thing? And I, I guess it is because, I mean, in the president saying last night, we're running against the media and the Democratic twosome in 2020. He's right. And the president rightly painted a pretty bleak picture of Democratic control. And he's right about that. I mean, and look at what they're doing. That what first thing they get back and now they lost with Mueller. That was a two and a half year hoax, lie, et cetera, going on and on. And now they want to continue this. Look at this. And we'll get into more detail later. But you got all these billionaires. If Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax, it's only two cents. That's what you the only two cents. No, it's not only two cents, because when you bear down and you look at the tax and you look at the numbers, well, 
the numbers are significant. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, they can afford it. Okay, well, let's say Jeff Bezos, who I don't particularly like, Warren Buffett, he's not a conservative. Bill Gates isn't a conservative. Mark Zuckerberg's not a conservative. Larry Ellison, I would argue, is more conservative. He runs Oracle out on the West Coast. I don't know. I've never met any of them. I don't know anything about them, except I know some of their politics from reading the papers every day. Bezos owns the Washington Post, for example. Anyway, but if Elizabeth Warren, if the wealth tax gets to what they want it to be, they're going to see, let's see, $160 billion. Uh, or They're going to see he, in the case of Bezos, will lose $86.8 billion. Bill Gates, oh, he would lose a whopping $36 billion. $29 billion for Buffett. $44 billion for Zuckerberg. $23 billion for uh, Ellison. Now, I thought they paid their taxes. They paid all their taxes, whatever their liability was. If they didn't pay it, I would otherwise assume that they're going to be in jail like the rest of us. I've, if we if they didn't pay it, we would have heard. And I'm sure. Look, I know how the IRS system works and what they do. If you have a certain amount of wealth, they usually pull out everybody's form. Look at the percentage of money's paid. And then if they have certain trigger points, if they're able to deduct, if you don't pay zero and you make all that money, they're going to they're going to audit. Maybe they won't even do it publicly, but they're going to audit that. And but the next thing is you pay your taxes. Now they're going to reconfigure the rules and the laws and they're going to say, no, we're going to take more now. And then when you die, they're going to get 40 percent more. And if you're in a state like New York or California, then you got your own estate tax, death tax there. And at what point do you not say, OK, this is a bad country to do business in. And Elizabeth Warren, the hypocrite that she is, you know, she's decrying big money fundraisers as president, but yet she racked up checks at all these events for her Senate reelection bid last year. And she won praise from the left, announcing she wouldn't hold private events for rich donors to fund her 2020 campaign. She wants to give equal access to every person who gives her money, no matter what the amount. Everyone wants to be a part of our grassroots movement, she's saying. Uh, however, she was able to bankroll the outset of this campaign with millions and millions of dollars collected at events in New York City and Philly and Silicon Valley and Martha's Vineyard in Boston. And, you know, last hosted by uh, power broker John Conyers Jr. And uh, Warren, yeah, a lot of money from rich people. What's she going to do now? By the way, Biden had to finally admit he made a misrepresentation. This is a, that when he's about immediately opposing the Iraq war. I guess you can credit the this show and the Hannity TV show for pointing out his mischaracterization that he had conveniently lost and forgot about. But this is your new radical extreme Democratic Party. You know, we got Kamala Harris. I mean, she's literally agreeing with the salon editor on police officers, quote, they just harass and take up space in poor communities. Wow. Saying that the person, Salon's editor at large, was, quote, right about police officers after he made that claim. And they released a 31 minute campaign video Monday that included Harris speaking with black leaders about the U.S. criminal justice system. Oh, let me see. Who's the guy that just reformed the criminal justice system? Who is the guy that released uh, Alice Marie Johnson? Uh, that would be Donald Trump. Who's the one that got rid of disparate sentencing powder versus 
uh, crack cocaine and is pushing towards other reforms in this area. Who's pushing those ideas? Oh, that would be the president of the United States of America. Nick currently that would be, by the way, all the right thing to do. Marianne Williamson has just lost her mind. But I think the big story of the day is this whole, you know, CNN fake news debacle again. I mean, you uh, it's never ending. Now, what's fascinating, this is in light of after Mueller died for fake news, CNN, conspiracy, TV, MSNBC. Well, and after he testified, well, they're kind of getting off that and they've gone away from all of that. And what's even more fascinating is you get down deeper into the weeds here. You get to see CNN and MSNBC, this whole issue involving the CIA. Well, the CIA gave them a huge beatdown today. And wait till you hear this story. We'll get to that when we get back. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. John Bolton out as national security advisor. You know, I look, I don't know what goes in, on inside the White House. Uh, breaking news but, Sean, yeah. I'm very sorry to interrupt you. We have extreme breaking news. Okay. Uh, today is the 18th anniversary of your national syndication on radio. I know. I don't ever like to talk about it. You know better, but thank you. Congratulations, boss. You made it 18 years. I, I, look, I'll, and I know it's a sad day. I don't like to think about it because the next day we know what happened. Was, we started in the day before 9-11. I don't, I don't think. For me, it's not something I ever want to talk about, but I appreciate it. I know you guys plan that. It's a very news. awkward. Thank you, but you're welcome. No, you know, you know, I appreciate I know exactly it. what you mean. It's yeah. a bittersweet. Victory yeah, I mean, it's 18 years, but and, you know, I'm going to tell you something. Look at the war. We just, you know, we finally wiped out ISIS in Syria. Look how long it's taken. Look at the Taliban, you know, still killing Americans in but Afghanistan. Thank God we have you as a national voice. Well, that's so, very you nice. Know, we have that, right, guys? Thank you. We have the greatest team in radio and TV. That are, there's Our no team ambiguity is learn about how to turn that. Turn their microphones and say that. Yeah, maybe you. they need to maybe learn that, but we'll turn see. Them on and everybody tell them how much we appreciate. No, it. I don't want we that. No, stop. You. You're great. I'm the big boss. Thank remember, you, you're the big boss. You're talent. Yeah, John, exactly. I've listened to you since I was in preschool. You know. That is really scary that Kylie was listening to me in preschool. I uh, got in trouble. Kylie in fourth and Katie grade. are more recent hires. You got in trouble in fourth grade for and what? My, and my uh, teacher told my mom that I th- think that I'm Sean Hannity. All right, now I feel and like here I'm, you are. And here you are. Here you are. Your dreams have come true. Uh, wow. And we haven't even shattered Ethan's Just illusion. Just so you know, I never listened yeah. to you before I got here. She yeah. told, she told my parents that I need to realize that my opinions are merely opinions and not facts. Just like Sean Hannity. Whoa. Ouch. I didn't my know that. My parents listen to you every day. I know your mom. I've met, do. I've met mom. Mom is, uh, mom amazing. Mom and dad both listen to you. And dad too. The McLaughlin's. And Liam. All right. Bolton out. We'll get to that. We have this. This is pretty amazing. The CIA ripping the misguided, simply false reporting on alleged CIA spies extraction from the Kremlin. We've got the details. Fake news blew it again. Shocking. Straight ahead. Hi, right, 25 to the top of the hour. Look, when I read all the articles, when somebody leaves the White House, oh, big deal. Look, there's obviously a story behind it. There's a reason behind it. And if you listen to the, for example, Washington Post, they will suggest that the root of this is the fact that Secretary of State Pompeo and Bolton were clashing all the time. Uh, If you listen to fake news, CNN, they will tell you, quote, it is the leaking. That is what got him. 
Uh, then you have uh, Bolton saying, Let, let's be clear, I resigned. And the president sending out a tweet that he informed Bolton of his firing Monday night, explaining he strongly disagreed with many of his suggestions, as did others in the administration. But Bolton quickly sent out a tweet that when he offered Trump his resignation Monday night, Trump said, let's talk about it tomorrow. And so, yeah, look, it, it happens. I mean, in administrations, you know, some people clash. Some people don't get along different styles. Maybe my guest probably it might have had something to do with even the possibility of sitting down with the Taliban. I don't know, though, or other disagreements. Um, I know that he is a very strong believer in understanding the nature of radical Islam, the dangers uh, that the world ex- that exist in the world. But I also know that the president loves having varying opinions around him. I know for a fact that he likes to have people with this view, this view, this view, this view, and this view, and he listens to them all. I've seen it myself. I've watched it unfold once or twice, maybe, possibly, without confirming. All right, let me get into this because this is really important. And this is deep state news. This is also about your corrupt media mob. And it is as bad as it has ever been. So yesterday, the CIA... Last night, slammed CNN fake news and actually said what they are reporting, their national security reporter or correspondent uh, is misguided. And it is simply, again, I'll use their words, false after fake news CNN's chief national security correspondent authored a whole filled piece claiming that the CIA had pulled a high-level spy out of Russia. Oh, we spy on Russia, too? I am shocked. Aren't all of you shocked about that? Who would have ever, ever thunk it that we spy back? You know, interfering in elections? Oh, yeah, Ukraine is offering us the evidence that they tried to help Hillary, but nobody really cares. Or the fact that Obama himself tried to unseat a ally of ours, the prime minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu. And we have State Department dollars that were involved in that case and a lot of his operatives on the ground in Israel to unseat Bibi Netanyahu. But I guess it only matters if it's Trump Russia collusion. Forget the dirty dossier, not verified, the warnings, it's not verified. And then, of course, it is the bulk of information in the oh FISA application. And as McCabe said, the deputy FBI director, yeah, no dossier, no warrant. But, well. By the way, we have tapes and video of all this. Anyway, so they claim that in this fake news CNN piece, the CIA had pulled a high level spy out of Russia because President Trump had repeatedly mishandled classified intelligence and could contribute to exposing the covert source as a spy. And the extraordinary CIA rebuke came as the fake news New York Times. They published a bombshell late in the evening that contradicted CNN fake news is reporting. And according to the Times, CIA officials, well, they made the arduous decision in late 2016 to offer to extract the source from Russia. Let me tell you something about the spying business. I might have, well, interviewed a spy or two, an undercover guy a time or two. I might have my own sources. I know I'm a talk show host, but what would I know about reporting? Well, we can produce thousands of hours of straight news reporting from TV and radio. And thousands of hours of investigative and reporting. Yeah, on the deep state, for example, information we got that the news media was too lazy to get that didn't fit their narrative. Yeah, we do that, too. Yeah, we give opinion as well. 
And then we talk sports and culture also. We're like the entire newspaper, um, which gives us a lot of freedom that they don't have. But, well, it doesn't stop them. I mean, they act like they're fair, balanced, objective. They're anything but. Anyway, so the New York Times rebuts fake news CNN. And then concern about the media reporting and the Russian election interference drove the decision, according to the Times, which described the source as the American government, the best insight into the thinking of the orders from Russian President Putin. Former intel officials said there was no public evidence that Mr. Trump ever directly endangered any source at all, ever. And other current American officials insisting the media scrutiny of the CIA and the agency sources alone was the impetus for the extraction. And the Times wrote that the, in other words, fake news caused this. Now, there are times throughout history where the press is asked by their government, please don't report this for reasons involving national security. I can tell you right now, if Barack Obama ever called my show or got in contact with me or had somebody at the CIA contact Sean Hannity and say, we know you got this story, but there's there's people's lives in jeopardy here. American lives in jeopardy. Barack Obama, I'm saying president. I'd say, how can I help my fellow Americans? And there have been instances where only well, in olden days, the media actually had a conscience and a soul, but that's long gone. But these concerns about the media, you know, what drove the decision? Again, the New York Times is saying the exact opposite of fake news CNN. And they're, you know, the purported spy actually refused the extraction in 2016, citing family concerns. But the CIA pressed again months later after more media inquiries threatened the source. Now, again, think about this, that what they're saying is intelligence officials there is no evidence that Trump directly endangered the source. Other current officials insisting that it was the media scrutiny of the agency and the agency sources alone, that that was the impetus for the extraction. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting. These developments into late last night, NBC News reporting that a possible Russian spy, a Russia spy was now living under apparent U.S. protection using his true identity. In Washington, D.C., why don't we just give the address out next? And by the way, that his life could be in danger. Sources told NBC News that the Russian living in Washington was the same individual who was referenced in the reporting by fake news CNN and the New York Times. And NBC said, quote, he fits the profile of someone who may have had access to information about Putin's activities. All right. So the guy didn't want to leave. He wanted to keep doing his job and he needed to protect his family. So and everybody that actually knows something, unlike CNN, recognizes that they don't know what they're talking about. So anyway, and you have an NBC reporter who knocked at the Russian's door, was apparently confronted by an unidentified by unidentified men in an SUV. Now, they were presumed to be security personnel within minutes and then special uh, speculation about the purported spy's identity using publicly available records, well, then that quickly, in case you're interested, uh, circulated on social media. After NBC News, Conspiracy Theory News, report, their report revealed identifiable details 
about this guy's living situation. Now, maybe a little common sense could have been applied here. Uh, Knowing Putin to be the hostile actor that he is, knowing the punitive accusations that have happened in the past about poisoning other people, knowing that Russia has been involved in, in attacking our elections and everybody else's now for a long, long time. Maybe they would have had a little bit of discretion that they could have used to protect the possible revelation of the identity of this guy. But conspiracy TV, NBC, they don't care either. Why would they? And so it goes on from there. That speculation about the spy's identity using these public records, that circulates. NBC News pushes out that information, which would make it easier for Russians to find out where this guy at the center of these reports actually is. We know now he's in D.C. and he worked in the presidential administration, but was fired, did not have access to Putin. All right. So the CIA and what they're saying now, they got to make life and death decisions every single day. And I, I happen to have met with Gina Haspel. I met her once when I was in Washington. And I got to tell you, the stuff that these people do every day threatens lives. The stuff that she and others were involved in post 9-11 saved American lives. I can tell you that with a thousand percent certainty and confirmation. In other words, numerous sources confirmed to me what she did to protect this country right after 9-11. That's the 9-11 anniversaries tomorrow. So the speculation by the media, the false reporting by the media, the media then, quote, using publicly available records, that's all getting out now to the American people. And that would mean Russia's paying attention, probably pretty darn close attention to all of this. And CNN's narrative that the CIA makes life and death decisions based on anything from objective analysis, sound collection is uh, simply false. Uh, I'm sorry, but the CIA was right, which they normally wouldn't do to send out their public affairs representative and put out a statement, misguided speculation that the president's handling of our nation's most sensitive intelligence, which has which he has access to each and every day, drove in a alleged you know, removal of this particular guy is inaccurate. And then according to, by the way, the report by the CNN chief national correspondent, national security correspondent, former Obama administration official. Now, isn't that interesting? Oh, the decision to carry out the distraction occurred soon after a May 2017 meeting in the Oval Office in which the president discussed highly classified intelligence Blah, 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 with those two Russians that were there at the time, which the media made a big deal about that wasn't as usual. But it was, you know, you you look at all of this and you're thinking, what is wrong with these people? You know, the CIA has to extract a Kremlin mole that we have out of concerns that the media scrutiny would expose the longtime spy. That was in The New York Times. Former intelligence officials, this gets more interesting, like John Brennan and Clapper, they express concerns that Trump and Attorney General Barr might leak intelligence. (laughs) Those two lecturing anybody about leaking is a bit of a joke, isn't it? But those concerns appear misdirected as it appears that officials in the intelligence community have provided information to the press about this key Kremlin asset. 
and the president's order granting declassification authority to bar for the Russia related information generated that I've been telling you will eventually come out uh, generated backlash from media pundits, former intelligence community officials. Yeah, you see, they don't want that information out because that exposes the absolute deep knowledge and level of the lies they were peddling and the conspiracy theories they were peddling. They don't want any of this out. Now, the concern is that very precious source and methods of the intelligence community, as well as our partners and allies abroad, those who share sensitive information with us, former CIA director Brennan said, yeah, because Brennan doesn't want an investigation into whether or not during his tenure, his CIA and others in the intel community were unwilling to obey the laws of the United States of America. I'd like an answer to that question. Did they outsource intelligence gathering to some of our allies for the very purpose of circumventing American laws so they could do their darn level best to try and undo a, an election and get rid of a duly elected president of the United States. That, I think, is what is going to be at the heart of what will be the Durham Bar Report or the Durham Report. And when you look at the New York Times and Post, Washington Post reporting that inquiries from the media about the CIA sources for the Russia investigation prompted the decision to remove this spy. And in 2016, the CIA offered to help the asset, but he refused. In 2017, he had no choice. He had to finally agree. And then NBC comes in with their conspiracy theories that a longtime Russia spy is living in D.C. under his own name. Great, great job. You know, awesome way to protect, you know, American heroes that are helping this country. And then fake news CNN using their former Obama, you know, now employee. You know, they go out with the fake story that now it results in in literally what had to be, what has to be a moment of great concern for this guy and his family. This is how reckless, this is how irresponsible these people are. All right, glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show. We have a lot of deep state news, a lot we broke last night. One of the things that has bothered me from the beginning of this is the treatment of a 33-year veteran to this country, and that being General Michael Flynn. And when you think now, what we know now and and what we didn't know at the time about General Flynn, it is it is stunning. And if this is how we're going to treat people that put their their lives in harm's way for us, we've got a big problem because initially we believed and discovered that, yeah, they probably had, in fact, surveilled, unmasked and even leaked raw intelligence involving General Flynn. That was our belief in the beginning. And I'm trying to go back and into the recesses of my mind and figure this all out where what started when and where. But then we had McCabe and Comey involved in bragging how they literally took advantage of chaos. Remember, James Comey said when he testified before Congress that, in fact, uh, he did something he would never do. No, I'm sorry. This wasn't before Congress. This was in an interview on stage. And he actually said, uh, this is something I wouldn't do to the either the Bush or the Obama administrations. And 
Oh, yeah, I absolutely took advantage of the chaos that took place in the Trump White House on day four of the Trump presidency. You look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the same room. How did that happen? I sent them. (laughs) Um, Something I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration, (laughs) the protocol, two men that all of us have perhaps increased appreciation for uh, over the last two years. both of those administrations, there was process. And so if the FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official, you would work through the White House counsel and there'd be discussions and approvals and who would be there. And I thought it's early enough. Let's just send a couple guys over. Let's just send them over. Now, prior to that, when General Flynn had heard, and he was the incoming national security advisor, that FBI guys wanted to talk to him. Well, he had said he called McCabe and said, hey, do I need a lawyer for this? No, not at all. That's not, that's not an investigation of any kind. No, you don't need a lawyer. Well, in fact, it was an investigation. And in fact, yeah, that would mean that General Flynn was denied his constitutional Miranda rights. He has a new attorney in this case who, uh, thank goodness he's got her, Sidney Powell. And remember, she wrote the book License to Lie, and she's the one that exposed Andrew Weissman as somebody withheld exculpatory evidence and all of his tactics and shenanigans that we've all watched unfold, you know, with these pre-dawn raids and throwing people into uh, solitary confinement. You know, pre-dawn raids fragment at Roger Stone's house. Roger Stone never had a gun in his life Roger Stone, you just had to tell his attorney, a Manafort's attorney, to turn themselves in. They would have been there on time. Sydney Powell joins us now because it was a big hearing uh, from today and she's going to update us on all that happened. And Sydney, it's great to have you back. How are you? Thanks, Sean. My pleasure. Please. Well, bring us up to speed and then we'll work our way back. What happened today? Well, we had a status conference today in front of Judge Sullivan and it became more of a hearing than a status conference. He has tentatively scheduled sentencing for December But in the meantime, he is going to address the very serious Brady issues that we've raised, the failure of the government to produce exculpatory evidence to Mr. Flynn that they have had long before he entered his first plea of guilty. Some of it is absolutely stunning, not the least of which includes that special counsel themselves knew that about Comey's ambush interview of General Flynn and his whole plan to do that as early as November 15 of 1917, uh, long before he pled guilty. And I'm sorry, 2017. And he also knew that, and this is even more remarkable, January 30th, there's an internal memo in the Department of Justice that discloses that they had exonerated Flynn of any sort of uh, Russia violation as of January 30th, 2017. 
Let me read from your filing, because I think this is very important. People understand this was your filing in support of the motion to compel production of Brady material. And for an order to show cause, you said that the government has not complied with their Brady obligations and their belated letters and productions. You point out that the team, a prosecution team, has admitted they are in possession of evidence favorable to the defense. They have steadfastly refused production of the actual evidence. And that would include FBI 30 two specifically requested information identified in the Mueller report and information specifically exonerating General Flynn. And the most stunning suppression of evidence is perhaps the text messages of Struck and Page. And in July of 2017, the inspector general of the Department of Justice advised the special counsel of the extreme bias and the now infamous text messages of these two FBI employees. And you pointed out not a single, they didn't produce a single text message to the defense until March 13, 2018. Now, what happened today is I understand that Judge Emmett Sullivan set a December 18th sentencing deadline for Flynn and you made clear that you considered the case far from resolved, but you did say you were not seeking to have his guilty plea thrown out. That surprised me, but I know how smart you are. I'm sure you have a better reason than I could come up with. Well, I said we're not necessarily planning to withdraw the plea. What I intend to seek and will likely seek, depending on what additional evidence shows and the more pieces I put together every day, is that the entire prosecution will be dismissed for egregious government misconduct and the outrageous suppression of Brady material from day one. Well, and this judge in this case, now I know it was a little harsh at one point to your client, which surprised me, and I think he came back after a recess and said, I, I think I might have misspoke on something, but it kind of scared me as somebody that thinks that, you know, listening to McCabe and, and knowing what Comey did, that I feel he was denied his simple, basic, fundamental constitutional rights uh, when they basically said you don't need a lawyer and he did need a lawyer and and the way they set him up. And then even after that, the FBI agents that interviewed him, did they not conclude that he was not lying? Did they conclude that he was, they concluded they thought he was being truthful, didn't they? Yes, they did. And on top of that, we now know that McCabe, at least as early as February 8th, if not prior to that, had also cleared him of any potential Logan Act violation. Logan Act. How many people have been prosecuted under the Logan Act, Sidney Powell? Right. Yeah, I think it's none. There might have been one way back when, but they wound up getting acquitted, if I remember correctly. Does that take us back to what, the 1700s or something? Yes, something like that. It's absolutely preposterous. It was a pretextual basis for them to go over there in the first place, if that's even what they claimed they were investigating then, because the FBI doesn't have a right to go interview the incoming national security advisor to the president over foreign policy choices. And they knew from having listened to the tape of his conversations with Kislyak that he had done absolutely nothing wrong. John, so the whole thing was a pretext from the beginning. John Solomon, our friend from The Hill, wrote an article about the exculpatory evidence withheld in the Flynn case and what the American people should know. And you have been very, very strong and very clear and saying that the entire prosecution, that would be Mueller's team, that would be Weissman, who you wrote at length about in License to Lie, uh, should be dismissed because of their egregious misconduct and that there's far more at stake here than the sentencing of General Flynn. And you were very bold in accusing the government of being too busy working on what they wanted to accomplish in convicting Mr. Flynn to seek truth or justice. 
Why do I suspect if the FBI didn't think he was lying, even after they sandbagged General Flynn? Why do I suspect and based on some of your public comments and some of your written comments that I've seen that, in fact, that the pressure that you discuss in in the filing put on General Flynn was, okay. the guy was going bankrupt. He had no more money for lawyers and he had to sell his house. And they probably said, well, your son's in business with you. If you don't agree that you lied, we're going after your kid. Why do I suspect that probably happened? Well, there was extraordinary pressure put on General Flynn to enter his plea of guilty under a very onerous time constraint while they were hiding the evidence that showed the entire thing was a pretext and that he'd been exonerated of a Logan Act violation, that he'd been exonerated of being an agent of Russia. And that, come to find out just from a Brady production a couple of weeks ago, he had also briefed the Defense Intelligence Agency before he ever met with the Turkish officials that was supposedly part of the basis for the big FARA violation. And we found even more evidence with respect to how manipulated all of that was, not to mention they had to have sat on the press to suppress the page stroke text message issue because it burst into the press the day after they cajoled Mr. Flynn into pleading guilty. Let me ask you, and I think this is very important. Where is this case going from your perspective? What are we going to learn about General Flynn? And, you know, I know publicly before you got involved in the case, you thought withdrawing a plea may be a good idea. You're leaving the door open for that. Yes, I haven't completely closed the door on it, but I think it's going to be if everything I keep finding continues to prove to be true. We're looking at egregious Brady violations and a dismissal of the entire prosecution. I uh, can you just chronicle because I've been following this pretty closely, Sydney, um, and I'm very aware of your history and the great things that you have done in terms of prosecutorial misconduct and exposing such probably great peril to yourself. I don't think there's any better lawyer that General Flynn can have. Can you just tell people what you think went on here? I think it, it was in a completely a pretext for the agents to go over to interview him that day at all. I think he was the subject of an illegal unmasking, an illegal leak of his conversation with Ambassador Kislyak. At the same time, the people that were listening to the conversation and reviewing the transcripts knew he had done absolutely nothing wrong because he was incoming national security advisor and he was just doing his job. So it was essentially a setup from the beginning and a relentless pursuit by the Department of Justice Special Counsel's office to find something to pin on him. Do you believe when those agents went into the office and took advantage of the chaos as directed by uh, Mr. Super Patriot James Comey, do you believe that they had illegally unmasked General Flynn? Do you believe that there's a possibility they had access to the entire transcript of what they wanted to know? And that would be a conversation that he might have had with some Russian ambassador guy? Oh, yes. It's very clear now that they had the entire transcript. And General Flynn knew they had the transcript. He knew that call was being recorded. And he had absolutely no reason to lie about it at all. He remembered what he could remember when he was blindsided by uh, them showing up in his office that day, not having thought about any of that for a good while. And the whole thing is just just reeks from the get go. 
All right. Sidney Powell, attorney for General Michael Flynn uh, at the sentencing at, at the hearing today. Sentencing date is set for December the 18th. Quick break. We'll come back. License to Lie is her best selling book. By the way, I would find a copy of this. This book is worth going through. If you don't think some prosecutorial misconduct takes place, you know, remember, Mueller didn't know that Jeannie Ray worked for the Clinton Foundation. Mueller didn't know what Fusion GPS was. Who was running that office? That's the question. All right, Sidney Powell, attorney for General Michael Flynn. Now we know that she has gone out there accusing prosecutors of their egregious uh, conduct, hiding exculpatory evidence. That would be the special counsel's office. The judge in the case, Judge uh, District Judge Emmett Sullivan. Now, he's the guy that came in and you actually, if I recall, wrote about him and licensed to lie uh, through that fixed the Ted Stevens case. Now, after the guy was destroyed, but he came in after and, and got it right, didn't he? Yes, he did. In fact, he dismissed that case for egregious government. Well, the, actually, he was made clear he was going to dismiss it. And so then Eric Holder swooped in and dismissed it ahead of that because it's really bad to have a district judge dismiss your case for egregious government misconduct and Brady violations. But that's exactly what happened there. And this case is going to make Stevens look minuscule in comparison. I mean, this what they've done to General Flynn is Stevens on steroids. So I'm not wrong in my belief that his constitutional rights, Miranda rights uh, were violated, that he was illegally unmasked and raw intelligence was leaked. And I'm not wrong that that this team led apparently by Weissman, because Mueller did, apparently didn't know anything, that they, in fact, uh, did things, withheld exculpatory evidence. Comey, McCabe all took advantage of. General Flynn, and this is how we treat a 33-year vet in this country, Sydney. Yes, not a single page stroke text message was produced to the defense prior to General Flynn's plea. At the same time, they hid Comey's knowledge and having told them that he had completely ambushed General Flynn, dispatched the agents on purpose, taking advantage of the whole situation at the White House. It was all very carefully planned. We now know also that there was a, a meeting, a very well-orchestrated planning meeting between high-ranking members of the FBI to plan the ambush interview of General Flynn. I mean, it, it's all going to be coming out. All right, Sidney Powell, attorney, thank you uh, for General Michael Flynn. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll put information, I guess, for General Flynn up on Hannity.com. A lot of people asking about it. We'll be glad to help. Uh, we wish you the best, Sydney. We'll come back. Yeah, the border's out of control. We're going to explain something that, well, who's aiding and abetting? All right, 25 till the top of the hour. The pace of the border wall construction has now doubled under President Trump. Now, I know a lot of conservatives, you all got upset with me because, oh, Hannity, the president gave up on working with Congress to get the monies to build the wall, and he's given up, and you're letting him give up, and you're not. No, I said at the time that he shifted strategies and he identified a legislated legislation that had been passed by Congress that gives the president of the United States the authority to build barriers, put up lighting and all sorts of other things. If, in fact, they identify drug corridors, well, that would be the whole southern border. That's where 90 percent of the heroin in this country comes in. We're losing nearly 300 Americans a week to opioid overdoses worse now with fentanyl also a lot of it crossing that southern border anyway so that has taken away now we've been chronicling 
all of these illegal immigrants in the country and some of the crimes they have committed. We have, most recently, we have the eighth illegal immigrant since July 25th. Now, this case, a Nigerian national charged in Montgomery County, Maryland, for rape, marking the eighth illegal immigrant to be charged with rape or other sexual assault crimes uh, in this particular county. 26-year-old guy from Nigeria allegedly raping a, a woman in her car. According to ABC7, federal immigration authorities confirmed that he's an illegal immigrant. He lives in Fairfax, Virginia, currently being held on a $250,000 bond. Statement from the federal immigration authorities confirmed the fact that he was living in the U.S. unlawfully. And ICE officials, well, they lodged a detainer with the Montgomery County Detention Center on unlawfully present Nigerian uh, in the country being arrested and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, he was on a rideshare driver accused of this. Now, even Tulsi Gabbard, the only one Democrat saying, uh, yeah, Democrats are pushing for essentially open borders. That is in the news. But here's some good news. And thanks to the president's policies, what we have now noticed is they're working and the president got the money reallocated from the Defense Department, securing another three point six billion and saying that he expects by this time next year to have at least 400 miles of new wall built in spite as Nancy Pelosi's furious that she couldn't stop him. Number of aliens apprehended. Uh, now at the border fell 22 uh, percent from July to August apprehensions uh, and inadmissibles declined to just over 64,000. And that's down by more than 82,000 in July. The number of illegal aliens arriving at our border declined 56% since the peak in May. And this is the first time that five years that the border apprehensions decreased from July to August. Now, the president's taken a lot of actions to get to the bottom of all of this. And Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kevin McAleenan. Uh, McAleenan is with us and he joins us uh, on our newsmaker line. How are you, sir? Good, Sean. Good to be with you again. Well, I'm looking. I saw the president negotiated with Guatemala to have migrants apply for asylum rather than just making the journey to the U.S. The president negotiated with Mexico and they've stepped up their enforcement of their own borders to stop the flood of migrants. Mexico apprehended, what, 134,000 people in just the past few months. Uh, so a lot of big changes are occurring. Where are we? Yeah, the dynamic is changing at the border, no question. And you just gave your listeners the key numbers. A 56% decrease in three months uh, since the president engaged Mexico uh, and really generated a lot of energy in that diplomatic relationship. And we've seen an unprecedented operational response from the government of Mexico, about 25,000 National Guard troops uh, now dedicated to immigration enforcement and border security at both their southern and their shared border with us. Uh, and that's making an impact on the flow. Uh, we also have been working with Central America, as you noted, uh, signed agreements with Guatemala, uh, working at signed agreement with El Salvador, uh, working on agreements with uh, Honduras and Panama as well, uh, because that's going to stop this flow at the earliest possible point and protect those people that need asylum. Uh, supporting those countries, developing their own systems, uh, but also going after the cartels and, and the supporters that are profiting on smuggling vulnerable families and children toward our border. Let's talk about how long this is going to take. Now, the president was able, had a lot of uh, 
A lot of the border wall that needed repair. Where are we with that? The president saying he expects a total of about 500 miles will be built by the end of 2020. Uh, now, do we have enough funds with the reallocated defense funds that the president's using and the money that he was able to secure from Congress? Together, I look, we're looking at, what, $5 billion more than what he has now? That's right. Yeah, we're looking at 450 to 500 miles by the end of next year. Uh, and just a few months ago when I was on uh, your show, I think we had about 35 miles built. We're now at 65 miles. Uh, and that pace of construction is increasing every week. Uh, and with the added funding from DOD, uh, we're really going to be able to step it up uh, and start securing the border in key areas where we haven't had infrastructure in the past. Okay, let's talk about how many miles have been repaired. I know over 65 miles, a new wall have been built, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, that, that 65 mile new wall system in places where we either had a dilapidated 25 year old scrap metal wall that was falling apart, or we had only a vehicle barrier, which doesn't do very much if people are, are going to walk across or try to climb over it. Uh, so now we've got either an 18 foot wall with an anti climb plate or a 30 foot wall in key strategic locations uh, that's already changed our security levels in both San Diego, Calexico, uh, California, as well as out in El Paso, Texas. Uh, and we're about to break ground in Rio Grande Valley, our top priority sector on brand new wall in an area that hasn't had any barrier in the past uh, to help us control that high traffic corridor. Are you experiencing any resistance from any of the border states? No, uh, we're not. We're working very well with the, with the governors and uh, the, you know, the landowner process. Well, wait a minute. Is, have you, have you talked to Governor Newsom yet? Because I don't think he's exactly the best person to be negotiating with. But anyway. Well, we don't have to negotiate with them because we're, we're building on federal land. And frankly, I have to ask the California stakeholders uh, who have benefited from the added security of the wall. Uh, they're very happy that it's in place. Uh, but we're also purchasing land where we need to. Uh, and, and that's a process of working with private landowners, uh, mostly in Texas. Uh, that's also going very well. Uh, and what I want to highlight, Sean, is we're building wall faster than we've ever done before. Uh, back in the early 2000s, when we built the first several hundred miles uh, of additional wall, it took us about two years from getting the funding to actually starting construction. We're now doing it in nine to 11 months. It's, it's a very different process. Got it streamlined with the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, and again, you're going to see that continue to accelerate over the coming months. How many different companies have we, well, given this work to? I understand there's a, a lot of companies that have been bidding for the right to build the wall. Do we have different companies taking on different sections? Exactly right. We've got a number of great American construction companies, a lot of capacity in the system. Uh, what the Army Corps does is they go ahead and, and down-select uh, capable contractors, and then when each new segment comes online, they go ahead and do a competitive bid for who can do it uh, on budget and, and the fastest period of time. So it's the best value, uh, and we're getting very good bidders. They're delivering wall uh, on time and on budget. You know, it's pretty amazing that, you know, we can do it if we have the will to do it. How about the money? What is the final figure that we're going to need if you want to build the 500 miles? So we, we've got the money combined with the appropriations from 17, 18, and 19 that, that President Trump fought for, uh, as well as the redirected money under the National Emergency Declaration from uh, DOD counter-drug funding and from DOD military construction funding. Uh, so that, that combination, we've got about 205 miles from appropriated money from Congress, and the other 250-plus is going to come from uh, the DOD funds. So in other words, the president still has other options in terms of now that he's identified monies that can be reallocated, 
And now that the president has done so and Nancy Pelosi is complaining that they can't do it. Well, what is the reason? Why were all these people on on the Democratic Party side? They're all gung ho about the wall. They sounded a lot like Donald Trump in the second term of of Obama's presidency. Why have they said uh, that this is a manufactured crisis? I think most Americans can see for themselves it's not manufactured. Absolutely not. It's been a tremendous crisis that that we're making great progress on, uh, but it's because of the administration's policies and efforts, not only the international diplomacy, but adding that barrier on the border. You ask any Border Patrol agent, I've been doing this for two decades myself, working closely with the Border Patrol. This is the the technology and capability they've needed from the beginning across uh, multiple administrations. Uh, and, And what we have now is a president who supports that, and it's fighting hard to get the funding for it so that we can add that capability on the border. Let's talk about the different aspects of what happens at the border. Am I correct in saying about 90 percent of the heroin in this country comes across that southern border? Uh, that's correct. Not, not only heroin, but more dangerous and bad. They're responsible for so many overdoses. Well, you got fentanyl and that is, you know, from my understanding and what I've read is that, you know, you can have what is the equivalent of a few grains of salt that'll kill a 250 pound man. And they're even lacing, you know, weed, you know, and every drug conceivable with this stuff. And people are dying left and right from overdoses. And is that coming across the southern border? Uh, it is. It's also coming across in, in mail uh, from China, but we're doing much better in, in interdating it across all right well listen we want to wish you the best it's we appreciate your time uh kevin uh McElinen, uh thank you so much for being with us uh we're getting a bad line here 800-941-SEAN is our number toll free uh joe texas what's up joe how are you glad you called hey good afternoon sean how you doing i'm good my friend what's happening uh my question is uh if Sidney powell gets all these uh charges dismissed against Michael Flynn, General Flynn. Uh, I felt like he's been railroaded from the get-go. And uh, I have 34 years in law enforcement, and there was a lot of things that that don't add up that aren't right, that his rights were violated, and I won't go through all of them. But she gets all this thrown out. Is he going to be made whole again? Will his reputation be restored? How, how will that work? How does that happen? You know, I go back to the Reagan years and a guy by the name of Ray Donovan. And when he was finally exonerated after, you know, the smears and the slander of the mob back then that is known as the media, he famously said, uh, yeah, where do I go now to get my good name back? How do you get your good name back then? Well, I mean, you know, the the FBI is responsible. Would Comey be uh, directly responsible in addition to the FBI? I mean, uh, looks like somebody should be held accountable for that. I think that absolutely they should be held accountable. The problem is we don't hold people accountable, do we, anymore in this country? You don't. No, 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 and that's frustrating. That's frustrating too. How many years were you in law enforcement? Thirty-four. Okay, thirty-four years. Could you imagine telling, not giving somebody their Miranda rights? You have the right to remain silent. You have a right to, you know, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney. Blah blah blah. Uh, what would have happened in any case you didn't allow that to happen? I never did that. I never did that without advising them of their rights. Even if I wasn't going to arrest them, I just wanted them to know that they had the right to remain silent and have right to an attorney. Didn't have to talk to me if they didn't want to, just in case they said something that I wound up having to use in court. 
Right. So, in other words, you're an honorable law enforcement official that followed the rules and protected people's constitutional rights. And I told him, I told him up front, look, this is just a formality. I want you to know your rights and that you don't have to talk to me, you know, before you answer any questions. You know, and you're not under arrest. I just, you know, you need to know this so that we can talk and go ahead forward with the investigation. All right. Appreciate the call. Listen, Joe, thank you for all those years in law enforcement. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I mean, I mean, he makes a great point. And I'm going to tell you what I think when Sidney Powell is discussing this abuse of power and what she's saying to us is really powerful. But you got to pay very close attention. I mean, she is laying out the case that, in fact, you know, all of this happened because of the tactics that they're involved in. In other words, that his constitutional rights were violated. In other words, these were discussions that they they had the full, complete transcripts of. They were telling him, no, you don't need an attorney. Oh, we're taking advantage of the chaos. Richard, Florida, next Sean Hannity show. What's up, Richard? How are you? Richard, glad you called. Hey, Sean. Hey, it's all, so awesome to talk to you. I, I love you to death. I watch you religiously. You know what? I want to tell you about the wall. I'm a combat veteran. Sir, served this country faithfully for 18 years. That we need to build the wall and stop the influx there of, of illegals coming over. My wife is from Philippines. We did it legally. Cost us over three grand. But she's here legally trying to become a U.S. citizen. I, I That's support it. the president 100%. So do I. Do it wall. legally. Do it all legally. That's it. That's how my grandparents got here. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. I am here to issue you a formal apology on behalf of the people of New York. I'm very sorry you ever got to know Donald Trump. He is not the best of New York. New York did not send its best to Washington in this case. I'm sorry you got to know Donald Trump. I apologize, but this New Yorker is ready to get rid of him for you. We'll ensure that we not only have universal background checks and red flag laws and end the sale of those weapons of war, but that we go the necessary steps further, as politically difficult as they may be. A gun registry in this country, licensing for every American who owns a firearm, of those AR-15s and AK-47s will be bought back so they're not on our streets, not in our homes, do not take the lives of our fellow Americans. It is that leadership on civil rights that this country produced that granted us the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. It is their inheritors, Black Lives Matter, who today will make sure that we effectively confront this racism in this country. Sign into law a reparations bill and make sure that we repair the damage done and stop visiting this injustice on future generations. It's time for a wealth tax in America. The top one-tenth of one percent of great fortunes in this country. And what can we do with two cents? We can do universal child care for every baby in this country, age zero to five, two cents. Universal pre-K for every three-year-old and four-year-old in this country, two cents. Raise the wages of every child care worker and preschool teacher in this country, two cents. 
we can make technical school, community college, and four-year college free for everyone who wants an education. You all know in your bones this election is different than any you've ever faced. This president has unleashed the deepest, darkest forces in this nation. This country cannot continue to have a president who is a pathological liar, who even uses his sharpie pen to lie about the direction of a hurricane. How crazy is that? I was in a town hall meeting in South Carolina, running up to the stage. A big guy sees me, former football player, former uh, All-American football player. Hey, hey, older I get, the better I was. And he comes over to me, puts his arm around me and says, dude, I want you to punch Donald Trump in the face. And I looked at him and didn't miss a beat. And I go, dude, that's a felt. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, As we look at the $16 trillion that Bernie has for his new Green Deal, climate change and insanity, um, then you got the wealth tax. Then you got the, oh, we'll pay for everybody's health care tax. You know what? Ninety six, you know, trillion dollars, 10 years for the health care, Medicare for all program that is proposed. And we'll have the wealth tax on top of that. You know, just taking a a real quick look, uh, if in fact, let's say the wealth tax is implemented and this would be the Warren wealth tax. Um, Look at billionaires like Jeff Bezos, one hundred and sixty billion dollars. He would owe Bill Gates, ninety seven billion dollars. Warren Buffett, eighty eight billion dollars. Mark Zuckerberg, sixty one billion. Larry Ellison, fifty eight point four billion dollars. And what's going to happen is you're going to see maybe not those well-known names, but maybe a lot of other big business people, they're all going to leave because you see it happening on a, on a lower level in states. That's why there's a mass exodus out of New York, New Jersey and Illinois and like totally like California. That's tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. We did. Now, God forbid the rich leave. Yeah. Oh, God forbid the rich leave. Well, the rich are leaving New York in droves. And they all, my only fear is when they go to the Carolinas, when they go to Tennessee, Florida, Texas, that they don't bring the, the dumb opinions uh, and politics that destroyed their previous states. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program, we welcome back Kaylee McEnany, National uh, Press Secretary for the Trump 2020 campaign, Jeff Lord. Author, bestseller, Swamp Wars, Donald Trump, the new American populism versus the old order. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm looking at all the taxes. I'm looking at anywhere from one point seven trillion to 16 trillion on the new Green Deal and 10 year estimate, 96 trillion just for Medicare for all. And I'm just maybe I'm just unlike maybe I'm not as optimistic as Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, Jeff, when I think uh I don't think we'll ever pay for this. This is impossible. Of course, it's impossible. I mean, this is pie in the sky stuff. They, they if they did this, Sean, they would start the ruination of this country. And and there's one thing in addition to do this. And and let's get down. I mean, we all know that Pennsylvania is going to be key here. 
This is a state, I think we have, uh, I spent some time checking this out today. We've got about 8,000 uh, fracking, you know, natural gas wells in the state. Thousands of people are employed. And these people are campaigning on ending fracking, ending coal mining, and they expect to carry the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Really? I don't think so. This is all part and parcel of their grand scheme, and it's going to collapse on them. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, you're in the midst of the campaign, and you're working for the reelect. And I'm thinking that Donald Trump's got to be sitting back saying, okay, this is really dumb. And if they want to go down this road, then that's their problem. Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Uh, in fact, he said, I, you know, I can't wait to get a hold of the Green New Deal because this is something that, you know, it's not just taxing the 1%. The left loves to say that. Taxing the rich, taxing the wealthy. No. If you tax every person in this country making 30000 or above, every family, uh, for 10 years, it would not pay for just the Green New Deal. And that is none of the other asinine policies of the left included. So exactly, we are thrilled to run against this. When the good news of the economy just keeps coming today, we learned 4.5 million of the jobs have been fulfilled by minorities. So more people have access to the American dream than ever before. So it's literally the most robust economy in modern history versus the most asinine plans the left or anyone could possibly come up with. Well, I don't disagree. And I mean, the results are in the pudding. And you know, it was interesting. We had a big discussion on this program yesterday about exactly you know, why is the economy growing? Why is all of this happening under Trump's policies? Because conservatism, when you cut taxes, you unleash economic growth. When you end burdensome regulation, you unleash economic growth and, and opportunity. And that's exactly what has happened. Um, and when you look at the news media, the president's right. They're going to be the single biggest contributors to the Democratic Party cause. Um, there was a poll that came out yesterday. And, OK, Washington Post drive by poll. Oh, only 24 percent Republican. And they asked for session questions, uh, which they asked before 1999 and 07. Uh, never when Obama was president totally framed with bias from the get-go. And when you look at periods of economic growth followed by periods of recession, do you think the recession is over next year is very likely, somewhat likely or, or not at all? This is all bias. You know, dialed landline and cell phones and asked to speak to the youngest person in the household. That's not going to work, Kaylee. No, it's not going to work. And that poll actually, Sean, it started by saying, as you may know, periods of economic growth are followed by periods of recession. Therefore, do you think there will be a recession? That's called it called a push poll. If the Trump campaign put out <laughs> right. a poll like that, uh, we would be laughed out of the room. Uh, but of course, if it's the Washington Post and ABC, it's a legit poll that the media is going to run with. Jeff? Sean, Sean, there's something else going on here. I, I gave a talk the other night in Allentown, Lehigh County, to the Lehigh County Tea Party. And I can only tell you, these people are so revved up about the media and the treatment of the president. They, I mean, this is backfiring big time. These people are more energized than I've ever seen them because of their fury at the way the president's being treated in the media. And these folks in the media are clueless. They're just going to keep on doing it, and they have no idea how much uh, energy they're creating on the other side. I, I, I tend to agree with everything you're saying. All of this combined is going to look. The Congress comes back. How many weeks vacation do they get, these people? Now, I happen to be of the mindset that I actually pay them more money to stay home. 
because that would be that literally we're saving pennies on the dollar because every time they go to Washington and spend our money, we get, you know, more broke. But with that said, they come back and after being embarrassed for two and a half years and, and creating expectations of impeachment, the Mueller report comes out and wow, it didn't go the way they wanted. And look what happens. Unbelievable. As we get these IG reports out, I think we're going to have uh, a lot more on this, and and they will rue the day. No, I think you're right. What do you think, Kaylee? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. A lot more information to come, and you got to be scared. I mean, you always give Jim Comey the advice, uh, stay silent, Jim. Uh, he likes to be out there quite a bit. Uh, damning reports on his part uh, should have been a prosecution there, but nevertheless, there's going to be a lot more that comes out on how far up did it go. Did it go to Biden? Did it go to Obama? I think a lot of the text messages from Peter Strzok suggest yes. Yeah, well, I think so, too. So the bottom line is this. Now, the president has his wall money, which everybody condemned me for because I said he's changing strategies. He's figured it out. Uh, We we immediately were able to determine what is the legislative authority that the president has. We cited that legislation and that the president has the authority to uh, build walls, barriers as it relates to drug corridors in America. And then as commander in chief, his job is to protect the American people. And between those two constitutional issues, he got the money and Nancy Pelosi is pissed off, Jeff. Yeah, yeah she is. But, you know, Sean, when these stories that keep coming out, I think I saw another one. that There was an eighth incident in Montgomery County, Maryland, with an illegal. Yep. Uh, and whether it was sexual assault or, or violent. In this or whatever, case, it was a Nigerian national charged in Montgomery County, Maryland for rape, making the eighth illegal alien to be charged with rape or a, another sexual crime in the county since July 25th. These people have abandoned all common sense, and, and they, they, man, they, they are just, you know, putting themselves right in the president's hands. I mean, I cannot imagine a president with a better set of opponents to run against than this one. Kaylee, I, look, I think if the president gets this 400 plus miles of new wall done on top of the repairs done, I think the American people are going to say, OK, check constitutional uh, originalists on the court, check, tax cuts, check, ending burdensome regulation, check, energy independence, check, Japan, uh, our Western European outli- uh, allies, uh, Canada, Mexico, new trade deals, check, NATO paying more, check, and probably by the time we get to election day, China, check. So uh, I would think, I don't know many politicians that make the promises he makes, and fulfills them to the best of his ability. And by the way, the individual mandate gone. Thank you, John McCain, for ruining that deal. Yeah, that's right. And, and all the things Democrats said couldn't be done. Prescription drug costs last year alone uh, came down $26 billion. The first time that's happened in 45 years. And the left said, oh, well, paychecks can't go up. Income can't go up. Well, today we learned it's at the highest point in two decades. Every single day, there is something new this president achieves. And every single day, you have recalcitrant Democrats on the Hill saying, we won't pass the USMCA. We won't give farmers a break. We won't do anything except sit there and obstruct and make up stories about Russia and recession. It'll be a very clear choice come November 3rd, 2020. All right, as we continue, Jeff Lord, Kaylee McEnany, um, I want to get into the border issue at all. When you look at, okay, Medicare for all, no public, no private options for people. When you look at the Democrats' obsession with hating Trump, they've, they, have, they have gone against everything that they once stood for. And this is now 
literally every second, every minute, every hour of their day. Then you've got, let's see, a wealth tax. Then you've got top marginal rates as high as 70 percent, in some cases even more. And and then everything else associated with it. How do you run on that platform and convince people, well, this is going to be great for America? I, I, Kaylee, I don't understand. I don't get it. And even Joe Biden, their so-called moderate, the mystic McGaff machine himself, Joe 30330. Um, I mean, honestly, if that's their moderate, he supports the new Green Deal. Yes, exactly. But if you'll notice what Joe is trying to do is he very rarely mentions his support for the Green New Deal, except in a CNN town hall, perhaps occasionally mention it when he has to on the debate stage. He's trying to leave room to reposition himself as a moderate. We're not letting him do that. We will be reminding everyone he supports taxpayer-funded health care for illegal immigrants and the Green New Deal and abolishing fossil fuels. Uh, he will not escape the radicalism he professed in the primary. Last 30 seconds, Jeffrey Lord. What we're seeing is a revolution inside the Democratic Party, and these uh, social justice warriors are out to get the establishment. I think that's the real story for the next several months. And the fact that they might succeed is something that Democrats ought to be really worried about. I do agree with both of you. All right. Uh, now, last question, exit question. Who do you think is the nominee? Quick, Kaylee, of the Democrats. Oh, I think it's going to be Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. Jeff? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to switch in that direction myself. I'm looking at Warren has the momentum now. We'll see. All right. Thank you both. When we come back, Todd Starnes and much more straight ahead. They're dead. They're dead. As far as I'm concerned, they're dead. They thought that they had to kill people in order to put themselves in a little better negotiating position. When they did that, they killed 12 people. One happened to be a great American soldier, a wonderful young man from Puerto Rico, families from Puerto Rico. And you can't do that. You can't do that with me. So they're dead as far as I'm concerned. And we've hit the Taliban harder in the last four days than they've been hitting over 10 years. So that's the way it is. I like the idea of meeting. I've met with a lot of bad people and a lot of good people during the course of the last almost three years. And I think meeting is a great thing. We had a meeting scheduled. Uh, it was my idea, and it was my idea to terminate it. I didn't even, I didn't discuss it with anybody else. When I heard, very simply, that they killed one of our soldiers and 12 other innocent people, I said, there's no way I'm meeting on that basis. There's no way I'm meeting. I think there's a blue wave starting to come here in South Carolina. Can you feel it? I feel like we have a blue state about to happen. We know that freedom can only come by way of education, which is why we need a president who will will appoint a secretary of education who actually believes in public education. And we know that you're not free when your reproductive health is being dictated by male politicians. We need to do more than just endlessly prepare for war. And we need to do more than just say things like, we need to bring the boys home. We need to challenge the underlying forces that make all this darkness inevitable. I know that we have in this White House a president who says he wants to make America great again. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean he wants to take us back to before schools were integrated? Does that mean he wants to take us back before the Voting Rights Act was enacted? Does that mean he wants to take us back before the Civil Rights Act was enacted? Does he mean he wants to take us back before Roe v. Wade was enacted? Because we're not going back. The first thing that I would do when I'm in office is that I would sign 
an executive order recommitting the United States to the Paris Climate Accord so that we lead again on sustainability and then follow that up with investment to get to net zero and create more jobs in the new energy economy. Let's start with a wealth tax. All right, there you have it. That is, yes, your extreme, radical, new, democratic, socialist, well, redistribution party, confiscation party, the party of open borders party. After all, it is a manufactured crisis, the 90 percent of heroin crossing the borders. And I guess it's manufactured, if you believe what they're saying. And now an eighth illegal immigrant has now been charged with a sexual crime in Montgomery County, Maryland. And that's only since July 25th. And uh, it just gets worse and worse. Can this now turn into for the Democrats a way to win an election? I don't see it, but maybe Todd Starn does. He's got a provocative new book out. It is called How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. It's called The Culture Jihad. Uh, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com. Well, it's a pretty intimidating Covered to the book, Todd. I will say that <laughs> you've got the capital with flames all around it, but there is a lot of evil in in this world. I don't disagree with you one bit. Yeah, I mean, it really is a provocative title, but this is a provocative time in our country, Sean. And and I've been documenting these kinds of stories for quite some time here at, here at Fox News. You know, it was after my last book came out, right after the election, I started looking at, at where the culture was going and why there have been so many attacks on religious liberty and, and our freedoms in this country. And, I, and, and this new book actually answers the question why. And I do believe it's because because of the rise of socialism in America. You see, a country that is founded on Judeo-Christian values and a country that is united under God, that's a country that cannot be defeated by socialism. However, if you if you take away religious liberty, the glue that holds all of our freedoms together, then you are going to be able to have a chance of having socialism take root. And I'm afraid that's what's happening in our country, Sean. And what really troubles me is that AOC plus three might become the norm in politics um, as we as we move forward in this country. Well, I mean, that's a scary thing. Look, I, I think on the surface, when you get into the psychology behind, we will take every fear that you have in your life away from you. And we are going to promise you that we're basically going to rob these people because they're going to pay a 70 percent tax when you're done paying the stat, that tax and the state tax and the federal tax and the FICA tax and every other tax that exists. Well, then we're going to come back after you paid it. And if you were smart enough to save a little bit of money, well, that might have been a bad decision because then we're going to hit you with a wealth tax. And then I look at the cost of the Green New Deal and what it would do to the economy. And I'm like, OK, that means America collapses. The economy collapses probably within weeks. It will be because you're talking about getting rid of the lifeblood of our economy, which is oil and gas. Everything's going to be free. So therefore, I don't have to worry about anything for the rest of my life because my government told me everything's free. Um, It doesn't work that way, Todd. And even the Finnish government collapsed under this ridiculous system, which has been for years cited by you know, liberal socialists like Bernie Sanders. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, you're absolutely right. And and even beyond that, you, you have to you have to ask yourself, all right, why is the culture shifting so quickly? Why is it that so many younger Americans, millennials, Generation Z, why are they embracing socialism? And the answer is very simple. It's our public school system. That is the engine that's being used by the left 
to facilitate all of this change in such a rapid manner. And that's what that's what's really shocking a lot of people is how quickly the culture is is changing. You know, a couple of days ago, um, I, I talked to a mom. She reached out to me. She said, you're not going to believe what they're teaching my kid in English class. Sean, they actually made the kids in this English classroom take a diversity inventory. And the children were ordered by their teacher to um, identify their religion, their sexuality, and their economic status. And then some of the children in the classroom were told to stand up, and they were pointed out, and they were told they had privilege because of the color of their skin. I mean, this is what the socialists are doing, Sean. They're literally turning all of us against each other. And we've got to stand up. And that's why I wrote this book. We've got to stand up. We've got to address this nonsense. And we have to understand that to fix this country, it's not going to be at the at the at the you know, in Washington, D.C., it's going to be at the church house. That's where you get this thing fixed. Well, I, I don't disagree. I mean, in the sense that I think that the it really becomes a choice. And I think the way I would say what you're saying is, is that we're basically indoctrinating kids into a belief of socialism, redistribution to each according to his need from each according to his ability. And that the schools are are advancing this propaganda and probably you'd have to argue based on a recent poll about how younger people feel about the country. Uh, there's, there's a certain amount of success that you can't deny if you correlate the two of them together. And then moving beyond that, I'm looking like, okay, well, I won't have to worry about health insurance for the rest of my life. My government will take care of it. I'll have a guaranteed job, guaranteed vacation, guaranteed healthy food, guaranteed retirement. And, but in the meantime, we're going to empower the government to take it from those people that have been successful. You lose freedom. This is what's happening. We will lose freedom and keep your doctor, keep your plan and pay less. Well, that will be that on steroids and human growth hormone at the highest levels possible. And Sean, you've been warning people about this for years. I mean, go back to the Obama administration. What was his promise? To fundamentally transform America. He was literally laying the groundwork for this rise of socialism in this country. And President Trump, thank God for President Trump, because he understood this, and he's been undoing a lot of the damage that the previous administration did on this country. And I think that's why he's getting so much blowback. You're right. You're absolutely right. Freedom is at stake. Here and my concern is is not you know the the next four years of the of the Trump presidency he's going to protect freedom my concern is what happens after that what kind of a country are we going to have what kind of kids are being graduated and educated out of public schools that Sean are intentionally dumbing down the kids remember it's not about being the best you can be they're teaching to the lowest common denominator in many of these schools well I don't disagree with any of that. So where do you think the country lies? I I think there's a certain appeal of socialism. I think the idea that the government is going to promise you they'll take care of everything. Health care, education, they'll take care of your housing. You'll be guaranteed a job, guaranteed a vacation, guaranteed healthy food, guaranteed retirement. Oh, okay, I'll take all that. Sure. Is but what percentage of the population is going to think through that the cost is the very freedoms that built the prosperity and the wealth that this country enjoys every day. You know, Ronald Reagan addressed this in a speech, and I wrote about this speech in the book. He said that that moms and dads have a responsibility to, to, to educate their kids about this country and what it means to be an American, that idea of, of personal responsibility. And he said those conversations need to take place around the dinner table, uh, the, the kitchen dinner table. And, and I think there's, there's a lot of truth 
and, and that, Sean. Well, I, uh, I think you, that is, Bart. Take my case, for example. I'm not at the kitchen dinner table. I'm working every night. I mean, I, of course, I want to instill all those values in my kids all the time. Listen, I, most people I know, Todd, they don't work 40 hours a week. As a matter of fact, I don't even I can't think of anybody. What is the average hour work week of everybody here? I mean, Jason, what's your average work hour? God, it's 68, 50. That's low. I'm actually but you're good at what you do. Honestly, you're so fast. That's I, was, probably, I wasn't counting the weekends. Well, count the weekends. What is your average work week? It's close to 60. At least, right, Ethan? 60. Linda? About 380. (laughs) Okay. Yes, Kylie? I would say 60. Katie? What is your average work week? You have to talk into a microphone. Katie can't even talk about it. Apparently not. I guess not. Well, Katie's whatever. Cue ball doesn't work for us, so we can't ask him. Yeah, I know. Lazy, lazy, I'm telling you, right? But the point is, is life is hard. Um... I know that my grandparents and my parents, they were never, they were worn around. My mom was working in a jail as a prison guard for 16 hours a day. Yeah, I I hear you, Sean. And I think the, the lesson here is that we need to find time uh, to, to make sure that our kids are learning what it means to be an American. I mean, we're in a situation now in this country where they're with the left. They're going after everything. The founding fathers, they're white supremacists. They were racist. Uh, they're trying to, you know, trying to take George Washington off of a mural in, in San Francisco. You've got book banning underway. You've got the leftists wanting to ban books like To Kill a Mockingbird and Little House on the Prairie because they might offend people. Uh, It goes on and on and on. So, you know, again, I think the message here is that moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, we've got to make sure that our kids understand why this country was founded, what those values are. Teach the kids about, teach your kids about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Make sure that you take personal responsibility. Don't rely on your local public school um, to teach your kids about what it means to be an American. The book is called Culture Jihad, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Todd Starnes, thanks for being with us. And uh, you can't miss the cover when you walk into a bookstore. I'll put it that way. Uh, thank you so much. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza to our busy phones, we go. Is it Tamar is in New York? The all new AM 710 WOR. What's going on tomorrow? How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What's happening? Um, well, I was listening to your show on Friday, I think, in the evening, and you had two guests on talking about climate change. Yes. Oh, yeah. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I forget the woman's um, name, but she was a she was pretty out there. She wants to silence me and shut me down. But OK. Yeah, I know the end of that conversation. I just I started giggling. I was a little bit uncomfortable, but <laughs> she wanted to shut you down. And that was crazy. Um, but I was just thinking about I'm glad how, my show creates the giggles. I'll say that. But go ahead. Well, <laughs> um, I was just thinking that it was just so crazy that people like to point out all the issues and just saying how horrible the world is right now. And we're all going to die. And what is it? 10 to 12 years now. I think they shortened it to five. Who knows? Um, but but let, remember, really climate change about. isn't about climate change. It started out no, as the ice age is coming. Then the earth was going to burn up. The earth has a temperature and the polar bears are going to be extinct. And then it became, OK, well, oh, it's cooler than we expected. It's hotter than we expected. It's uh, this. I don't know. All it is is an agenda. And the agenda is predicated on the idea that capitalism is destroying the planet. It's not about it, it's it's more it is. Let me tell you, it is wholly about socialism, redistribution, statism, about government control. That's it. 
All right, Tamar, good call. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to wrap things up. We have huge breaking news as it relates to the deep state. Sidney Powell, attorney for General Michael Flynn tonight. Also, the latest on 2016, we'll have the handicapping of Carl Rove, Reince Priebus. Also, Dan Mangino, Geraldo, Jeff Lord, and much more. Sean Spicer, Hannity, 9 Eastern on Fox News. You won't get from the media mob. Yes, we do the stories they refuse to cover. 9 Eastern tonight. We'll see you then. We'll be back here tomorrow. Thank you, as always for giving us this microphone.